In this episode, we do talk about sensitive material that may be a trigger for some. Domestic violence is never okay. If you or someone you care about needs help, call the Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-7233. Welcome to Sisters of the Strange. Welcome back, friends. Today we have with us the lovely, the very sweet, and the super talented Nancy Ann Ritter. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I feel so honored. Oh, we're honored. Like, I just, I have to say right now, like, fangirl out on you because you are in one of my favoritest movies ever. Like Scream 1996 is one of my go-to movies. Like, I just love it. And like the scene you were in was amazing. And it was so pivotal, just the way Sydney saw herself and how people saw her. And like, I don't think that movie would have been the same without that moment between you and the cheerleader. So thank you for being like, you know, just ingrained into my memory and just part of my happy thoughts. Well, ooh, ooh, I'm so excited to be part of your happy thoughts. <laughs> Do you think of the girl in bathroom daily? Not or on daily. A- <laughs> I mean, frequently, believe it or not, though, especially with, you know, the most recent scream dropping. Thanks to modern therapy, I'm down to twice a week. <laughs> We're still making progress. I mean, I had sometimes dress up in my beautiful purple and purple top and the mom khakis. I don't know you well enough to admit to that yet, (laughs) but I can tell you he does. (laughs) He made me cut his shirt because it was too high, but it's okay. Um, (laughs) So silly. Oh, wow. Uh, Do you have any like starter questions for Nancy? And because I always like, I'm not Peter. I can't just let flow. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nancy, I, Nancy, Nancy Ann. Ann. No, I'm, I'm definitely curious how you ended up. Was that your first big break, so to speak? Yeah. Mo- uh, movie. Like I, I, ha- I come from the professional theater world. So I, I have, I need to make a little website. So I'm really proud of my, professional theater career because I started acting when I was nine and going from play to play to play and and working with amazing actors but as far as the movie business um Scream was my first movie (laughs) I wish I could show people I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts and we they're all in VHS, but they're hilarious. They kept the Department of Labor, since Gellington is in Washington, DC, the Department of Labor higher auditioned us kids to be in training films for like hotel workers, custodians, sheet fact, sheet metal workers, and we all are 15. <laughs> I was playing a hotel maid. And I was so skinny and that the cost, the uniform was so big. They're hilarious. So that was my first on-camera experience. Um, Nancy Ann, you have to get that on YouTube. We need to see it. We need need to. They're 
they're hilarious. I'll tell you, they're one of my friends. It's hilarious because it's showing. He said, he goes, if I take the 6.30 a.m. bus, I'll get to work in time to have a cup of coffee. <laughs> but if I take the 6.45 bus, and if it's late, I won't have time for the cup of coffee and I'll be getting there late. And then the, in the training film, it shows both scenarios. So he can have and, coffee or he's late. <laughs> right. And he's sitting on the edge of his bed with his alarm clock going through. If and I mean, literally, if I take this. <laughs> and my, I was so coming from the well, from theater, I was one of his co-workers. So when he comes running in late, I'm like, oh, and like totally overacting. Meanwhile, he's late, didn't get his coffee. You come running at him. He's just like, Ugh, just, just leave me alone. It's a rough morning. I didn't have any coffee. I wish I left earlier. I just didn't. I thought it was funny. Like, why didn't they cast like 20 some? Like Washington, D.C. has a good little theater scene. Like, why, why were they casting teenagers to play these workers? <laughs> Because they all they all had real jobs at these places and couldn't have didn't <laughs> they, have the time to actually come in to actually audition. Do. Yeah, I think we made coffee. <laughs> I think we made fifty dollars for each little one we did. But yeah, they would everything of mine's in storage. But that would be so fun to when I when I get my stuff and go back to New York. It would be fun to somehow get them transferred and then throw them up on. Yes. But I throw them up on YouTube. Absolutely. <laughs> They're hilarious. Nancy Ann going viral. <laughs> I didn't know how to do, like, I knew how to do base makeup for theater, but it was way too dark, like way too much for the, the hotel maid. And so just <laughs> the makeup is wrong. The makeup is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I look like a, I literally look like a skeleton in the uniform because I was just so daggone skinny. So the whole, yeah, it's very fun. They're very fun. You were super skinny in Scream too. Yeah. How, how old were you, you in can, Scream? Okay. So I was, when, 20. when they, when I auditioned, I was 22 Stop. and then I think I must've turned, oh, yeah, <laughs> I think I may have turned I may have turned 20 because my birthday, March 28th, I'm trying. So 22 or 23 by the time we did our scene. Okay. But um, yes, Scream was the first uh, move. Yeah. On camera. And, and that it was my big break. And then you see after Scream, I just went from movie to movie and had it. Had, I'm totally joking. And had an, <laughs> well, you an know, illustrious acting. You career. say that, but you were in, uh, I'm going to mess up the title. Was it storybook? Sto- storytelling. Storytelling, excuse me. Yeah. And I was, I was, I was looking, I had half of it, right? You uh, did, you did. I'm a professional interviewer. Uh, we so aren't. <laughs> but I was looking at storytelling and I'm looking at that cast and I'm like, oh my God, like that was, that. that's a legit yeah. cast in that movie. Unfortunately, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I it's definitely on the list. Yeah. It's a good, yeah. It's split like Paul Giamatti, John Goodman, Julie Haggerty. Yeah. Selma Blair. It's kind of too, yeah, it's, it's, 
just when you whenever if you ever do see it, there's some unexpected uh <laughs> difficult moments for Selma Blair's character. Uh, but what what was interesting for me about getting to do storytelling was that came out, let's see, we shot it in 2000 and then it came out uh, like uh, well, a year later, 2001. And even though I have less lines and I did have a name in storytelling and my name was Joyce. Um, I have less lines than the girl in bathroom, but I, I feel, I feel like I had more camera coverage and I felt like I, I felt like I knew what I was doing on camera because now it was four years later. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt a lot more comfortable with being on camera and the Todd Solins who wrote, who wrote and directed storytelling, he was able to kind of be right with us in the scene, like on the, not that he was lying on the ground, but when he was doing, <laughs> when he was doing our clothes, what, what, well, I'm in two creative writing college classroom scenes. And what I thought was really fun was, well, I was nervous, but fun. Each, each time he ran the scene through, he would put it on each of us and run the whole scene with the camera on me. And I, I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. Um, cause I only have maybe three, maybe two lines in one scene and maybe two lines in the other scene. But what was fun was he was, if I was doing something he liked, he would just whisper, like whisper encouragement. And then it allowed him to pick and choose in the editing room, like what he liked of what each person was doing. So I just, I, because I could be near him physically I wasn't as nervous, whereas with Scream, my memory is so good with some things, but I feel like with Scream, Wes Craven was outside of the bathroom, so I felt far away from him. And uh, so when they when they were doing the wide shots, like it was just me and Leonora in the bathroom by our, it just felt like by ourselves. And then when he was doing the, Wes Craven was doing the close-ups, he took out our little mirror bathroom mirrors and put the camera up and he had to come into the bathroom and he goes, Nancy, and you look grotesque. And I knew, I knew exactly <laughs> what he meant. He's like, he said, it looks like you're playing to a Broadway theater of a thousand people. And so he just kept saying, shave it, shave it, shave it. And so I knew exactly what he, what he wanted, but I just felt so nervous. It was just a different setup on the screen set then on storytelling plus scream was four years earlier so i really feel my film acting had grown from 1996 <laughs> to i love i don't even know how you describe it because we're doing a zoom interview with nancy ann but you're doing that 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 actor i notice a lot in the inner in the other interviews i'm doing this week the weird <laughs> I love it because my parents are right upstairs because um, our house is pretty tiny. So when, yeah, I noticed when I whisper, I do this hand thing, which I don't, <laughs> I've only discovered doing it with these interviews. I'm um, endeared by it. I think it's great. <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, was it, is it, a, was it a hard transition going from theater to film? It really was for me. Uh, 
yeah, because starting out at nine, going from play to play, I just felt very comfortable. And there was never, literally, I would finish one play, go right on to the next play. And then by the time I was at Duke Ellington School of the Arts, that's when I started to get to do professional theater. And so I just felt very comfortable in that world. So Scream, when I, when I did, initially when I auditioned for Scream, I auditioned to play the cheerleader and I, I was so terrible, but what I thought was kind of, I guess, interesting or maybe, well, cause I didn't have time to prepare when he was, when Wes Craven was screen testing the five actresses for, well, the short answer is yes. For me, it was a big leap no <laughs> to worries. go from theater to film. It was not an easy transition. The learning curve has, there's been a big learning curve. And when I started getting, I've had big parts and small little independent films and just a few, but I, by the time like 2003, four and five, I just got a lot more comfortable with, with doing the films. And then especially with auditions, auditioning, by the time I I left LA after five years and got to New York. I was auditioning for amazing movies and TV and just got the hang of it. Just the more I was auditioning. Um, But with screen, with what I think was interesting. Well, and I hope all the listeners, I I hope you all find it interesting and the listeners, the, the day that he screen tested the screen tested the five actresses for Sydney uh, they ha- hired me to be the female stand-in for that audition day for Sydney. Oh, and cool. the first half of the day, Wes Craven didn't need me. So I just kind of stood not right behind him, but <laughs> I distanced myself. Can you imagine if I was like, Hi, Wes. I like how you're directing this scene. I would go with Nev Campbell too. And then, oh and if I started blowing on his neck, no, he had a good view. <laughs> he had a good view, he had a good view of his monitor, and then the two scenes. And the two scenes were the scene where Skeet crawls in her bedroom window, and they have the top of the nightgown action. Mm-hmm. And and then the second scene was when the killer calls Nev. So randomly, halfway through the day, yeah, he didn't need me, and then. Halfway through the day, he turns around to me and he goes, he asked me, do you know the lines to the two scenes? And because I'd been watching the actresses doing the scenes, I said, yes. And he, he gave me a little script and he said, I'm going to go check on the next actress. He said, but I want you to actually do the scene as Sydney, he said, so that I can work with different camera angles and lighting. So thank Thankfully, I didn't even, I didn't have time to be nervous. And I guess because I've been watching the actresses, I, I was thinking, oh, if I were auditioning today, what would be my little take with Sydney? And the, the one little thing I remember very vividly, it would be fun to take my script as in storage, but to see what everything seemed, seemed to have really, what was in the script obviously made it into the film. But one of the lines originally on that day do you remember where nev campbell says so you thought you could sneak in my window and we'd have a little raw footage (laughs) of course (laughs) Uh, so the line that day in the script was 
So you thought you could sneak in my window and we'd have a little bump, bump, <laughs> like bump, <laughs> bump, like hump, hump, but bump, bump, like bump, hyphen, bump. And I thought it was so funny. So, and it was interesting. I was like, as I was watching the actresses, I guess coming from the theater, I was like, oh, I'd go to town with the the, the little phrase bump, bump. Um, <laughs> so I remember trying to, but uh, what I did the audition, not the audition. I, I just did the two scenes and Wes Craven B lined up to me and he go, he puts out his hand and he goes, that was excellent. And then that, and then he goes out of the big warehouse space to get the other actress. And he said, have a read for one of the bathroom girls. But I think, and then, yeah. And then my audition for the cheerleader was terrible. I don't know why it was just felt very seamless on that Sydney day, I guess. Cause I just didn't have time to be ner- nervous. I don't know. Uh, now looking back, if I'd known how things were going to develop from that, I probably would have been super nervous, but I was just <laughs> doing what he, what he asked me to do. So it felt just very comfortable. But by the time I auditioned for the cheerleader, I came in with all these makeup props and I mean, terrible. Leonora, who plays the cheerleader <laughs> in the movie, is so perfect. Um, but I was so that I would say that audition is probably one of the worst, <laughs> worst oh auditions I've ever given. And I was nervous. Yeah, I don't. I was nervous because there was too much lead time. And then what it, I, I was. Well, I guess I wasn't surprised. But usually when you go on your first first audition you just audition for the casting director so it's just the casting director a reader who plays the other part and and me the actor but on this day Wes Craven was there his producing one of his producing partners uh the casting director and so I didn't well I didn't expect that so then I got really nervous but they like Wes, when I came in and shook his hand, he started bowing to me. And I was like, what? Did someone drug his dream? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> just little Nancy. <laughs> I would have passed out. <laughs> Did, but so he that was very sweet that that his kindness towards me was really sweet. But um, after that audition, they initially if I'm remembering all this correctly, they initially they said, Wes wants you to be in the movie. Um, but not in the bathroom scene. I think where they were going to put me was the party scene. Obviously, at the end of the film, there are two girls. If you watch it again, you'd see them. There's a blonde girl and a curly-headed black girl. Not curl, not curly-headed black curly hair girl. Haired, a, a white girl with curly black hair, yeah. and. Um, and they're kind of like fanning out over Courtney Cox's character. So they're they're in that living room scene throughout. So I think that's what I would have been used as. And then uh, out of the blue, the production director called and he said, Wes has is rearranged the shooting schedule. He's going to shoot the bathroom scene. And we need to know if you would be willing to play the girl in bathroom. And I was like, give me a moment to think. Let me, <laughs> I have no agent. Let me play. I suppose. I suppose. Give me an hour. Um, so I was like, yes, of course. And that was like on a Tuesday. I was on the plane the very next Wednesday. 
we, we, yeah, we obviously got there on Wednesday, had Thursday, and then we were on the set by Friday. So, and I had not, because I didn't read for the girl in bathroom, I had not created a whole backstory for the girl in bathroom. Like I had done for the blonde, for the cheerleader. So it was, I'm totally joking. Um, <laughs> I'm but, glad you said, cause I was ready to ask like, what was your backstory for her? <laughs> What was your motivation? Was your motiv- where do, where was the cheerleader right before she came in the bathroom? Um, but it all happened so quickly. And so I was so I had having read the cheerleader. That was what I knew. But of course, I mean, it wasn't hard to learn the girl in bath- bathrooms lines. Nancy, and just to clarify, were you on set originally for the cheerleader role or were you on set for some, for another reason? And then you started auditioning for parts after that. Oh, uh, by the time I got to the set and they were filming, I, it was me as the girl in bathroom. So the initial way I met Wes was on the screen test day for Nev. They had five actresses and some TV actresses, film actresses. One of them was Nev that day. So it was her. He, Wes was trying to decide between these five actresses who would be playing Sydney. Right. And from that screen test, which was a couple, maybe a month before we started filming, it was just like on a random Saturday. So I wasn't, hadn't been cast in the film. Literally, Julie Pleck, who was Wes's assistant at the time, who became a producer on the screen two, three, and four. And she's now a big TV showrunner and creator. She was the one who called me and, and she, she said, are you, how tall are you? And I said, five, seven. And she said, that's great. The five actresses, the average height is five, seven. That would be perfect for Wes to do the lighting. So that was just an audition day. So at that point for the Sydney, the, for the Sydney girls and. Uh, so you, so got, you got called in to be a stand in. To be is just for that. Just for those five but actresses. that's that's super cool though yeah. that you were that Wes Craven or the assistant that they knew of you and they uh, they tapped you to come in and and be part of it. Well, the way I knew Julie was we both went to North. I'd like to say that I had a big reputation in LA and that people knew me, but <laughs> but Julie and I went to Northwestern University together. So networking. And she was exactly. about a year older, and they that Northwestern has a great theater program. So we had gotten to know each other well through being in school together. So that was why it was just lucky that she happened to be that was one of her first jobs in LA, I think. And it was just, I think she had invited me the previous year to the premiere of Vampire in Brooklyn because she was Wes's assistant at that. I I think she was Wes's assistant by then. And then I had a high school friend who was like the second female lead in Vampire in Brooklyn. Um, So, but we would see each other. So we would hang out socially. So uh, on weekends, not all the time, but, but kind of regularly. So yeah, it was just a random phone call from her one day, but I thought it would be one and done. Um, uh-uh. So it was just <laughs> that, that whole day of how it all turned out was, I look back on it now and it does seem like a little, a mini miracle <laughs> that it all turned that he was, that Wes was so 
um, enamored by you. you are. Yeah. Yes. Ena- 100%. Enchanted. <laughs> no, 100% um, though. Like I'll say this just because spoiler alert, we, we were talking a little bit before this even started and I'll, I'll say it right now, like Nancy and I love your energy. You absolutely. are adorable. And I've, it's been so much fun talking to you. It has. You are very, um, energetic. Oh my like, God. Just like eff- the effervescence, like, like absolutely. Like, effervescence. You're just like, just so just, you're, you're a bubble bubbly. of light. Like seriously, <laughs> a bubbly light. <laughs> yes, 100% Michelle. Well, we we worked at Northwestern. Well, thank no, that's so nice. I have very outgoing parents um, who just are twinkly and wonderful. So I think I definitely got the the effervescence uh, <laughs> from them. And, and then just growing up in the theater, for sure. Uh, oh, there was something you said I was just going to say. Sorry. Um, we're the worst. He does. He I, does. No, 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 no. It was, something, it, was, <laughs> it was off of something you said just a moment ago. Oh, darn. I say a lot of things. <laughs> no, it was while you all were giving me those dice compliments. Um, oh, darn. What we was just it? speak oh, truth here, Nancy Ann. We just speak truth. I apologize. Thank you. Thank you. So, no, no, no. It was something you all said, and it was a little nugget maybe about Wes Craven it was a little scream nugget and now I can't remember well just the fact that you were um plucked you were hand plucked by him yeah like I mean you weren't there to audition for a role you know you were a model if you will yeah he liked what he saw and he was like I want her in my film and that's amazing because the first it really was the first half of the day I was just understandably and they didn't need me so I just was invisible I think the only talking I did was actually with Nev Campbell while she was waiting. And I didn't talk to her. She, she, cause I, I give the actors their space, but she initiated talking with me, conversating a little bit before it was her turn to go in. And yeah, I hadn't even talked. I, I just was silent. So I hadn't at that point talked to Wes Craven. I mean, they knew I was, <laughs> they knew I was there, but I don't think there was really any introduction which was totally fine. I was just like, I'll take my, give me my $75. And I'm so excited to be here. Um, I think it was $75 in cash. Um, But yeah, when he turned around to ask me about doing the scene and then when he was so complimentary at the end, it, it was funny. Like once he put his stamp of approval on me, then the two producers like I was suddenly visible in the room and that felt really nice. And then Lisa Beach, the amazing casting director, she came running over and she's like, we're finishing casting the lead parts. And then when we're finished with all of that, then we'll start bringing in actors for the smaller roles. So it just, it was a whirlwind that day. I'm glad that I didn't put any stock in. I think it worked out well because I didn't put any stock or expectation as to what I hope will happen. Um, it was and just I, a cool kind of event. Yeah. I get to be there. Yeah. And then whatever happens, oh my God, now yeah. this is happening. And, right. I didn't, I truly didn't even think, oh, this is my time. I want to make sure I dazzle and shine. Um, Cause I had only just moved to New York maybe six months prior. So I didn't, I was, I'm glad I wasn't strategically thinking, oh, how do I get Wes Craven to notice me? And, and so I think so I'm pleased with that because I think if I'd been desperate or trying to get him to see, you know, he had a job to do. He wasn't he wasn't there to 
to shoot shoot the shoot the breeze. I can't I don't know what how to say that. Shoot the breeze. Shoot the breeze. Shoot the breeze. Because yeah. <laughs> it's limiting. Um shoot uh, the poop. <laughs> shoot the poop. Shoot the poop. I... <laughs> Shoot the shite. Yes. Um, Perfect. But um, but yeah, I'm glad that I didn't go in there thinking strategically. Oh yeah, I mean I I'm repeating myself, but I, you know I just wanted to do a good job for Julie, my friend, and oh that's right because she did. she's the one that called you in. So yeah. if you come in there and you're obnoxious, if you're uh, a hindrance to filming, then she looks yeah. bad. So yeah. You, there was extra pressure just to be almost seen and not heard, quiet, helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he didn't respect. And I, because half the day went by and he didn't need me, I just assumed that would be how the rest of the day went. And so it was very, you know, I know I was just there in case they needed me to step in. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was just shocking when he whipped around to me and I was like, oh, he's looking at me. <laughs> and it just, <laughs> and he's so sweet and so nice and gentle. And, but that was a huge surprise uh, when he asked me to do the lines, to do the two scenes. And then the, if I remember correctly, the guy doing Skeet's part, who was the stand-in just for that day, played Stephen or ended up being cast as Stephen Orth, the oh. Drew Barrymore's boyfriend who's badly, whose guts Very <laughs> spoiler alert. killed in the movie. Yes. I th- if I remember correctly, I think, I think that, the, I think those were the same two guys. I think. You um, got more lines than he did. Yeah. He just, I, got, I was going to say. Casey, no, when he's like, no, Casey. <laughs> But he's very memorable. And he has a first and a last name. Yeah, I always, I, okay, what would you have wanted your name to be if they gave you one? Well, the, okay, I, I have to say, a fan, because of all of this convention stuff and all of this new attention that started in August because of the Scream 25th anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, and all this fan, it, like my Facebook friends went from 800. Now I'm, I think I'm almost to 4,000 and it's all Scream fans. That a girl. The one, awesome. one Scream fan said, ever since I saw the film, I, I decided your name was Stacy. And so for you, so she's, so I said, Stacy, it is. And the, <laughs> I don't hate that. I don't hate that. So no. I'm, I'm sure I would have come. So I, I, because the, that the filming happened so quickly, I had not come up with a name for the girl in bathroom. I'm embarrassed to admit. So when this fan mentioned Stacy, and she was so the way she wrote it, she was like, "I she's just always been Stacy to me." Is that okay with that. you? That's great. Oh, that's so sweet that she asked your permission. Is that <laughs> yeah. okay with you? I love that. So I've gotten the best. I mean. The the interest and and just the fan, I, I hate even saying fan because they feel like friends, but I know that's the word you're supposed to, the, the word people use, but they've just been so fun and fun to interact with just over social media. And they they just, every week, one, one guy was like, did you get to keep your costume? I hope you got to keep your costume because then when you go to the conventions, you can dress as the girl in bathroom. And if Leonora's there, she could be in her cheerleading outfit. 
and just so many, just so many cute questions. And was that a costume or was that your, what you were wearing? Like that was a cut. That was a costume, Uh, a beaut and beautiful. It was. And flattering. You definitely um, wore purple. Well, not everybody can pull off. In my purple. Ha- I was going to ask if it was blue because in my head I, I see a dark it's like blue. A lavender, like a lavender. It was a, a la- lavender. It was a lavender. I wish. So they tried before the mom khakis uh, that the, they <laughs> tried me in. It was a cute little purple mini skirt, and I wish I would have advocated. But Wes came in and he preferred the khaki pants. And at the Too time, I thought, oh, that's a good. Wait, what'd you say? Too much purple. She looks like a great. And and at the time I thought, I guess the khakis are a good contrast to the, you know, cute, pretty little cheerleader. Um, But when I fight, when I saw that they first had a cast and crew screening and when I saw how the costume looked, I was like, oh dear. I mean, it's such a fast scene, Mm -hmm. but I, I think about that purple mini skirt and I think, oh, I wish I could have worn the purple mini skirt. So did you get to keep it? I didn't even, well, because they were mom khakis and I was embarrassed to be, I didn't mind how they looked from the front, but I am I was skinny in that movie, but I have an ample caboose <laughs> that you kind of notice when, actually my cousin was like, when you sashay out of there, your caboose is really noticeable because I hadn't really, and now when, when I see it, see it, I think, oh yeah, Um I didn't even ask because I did not feel pretty, Michelle, that day. Aww, I didn't you look so pretty. pretty. <laughs> I pulled it up. I, I Googled girl in bathroom with cheerleader and it's very lavender. I don't know what I was thinking. And the and green. I, and the green what? Barrettes. The green barrettes. Oh, yeah. How cute are they? <laughs> and uh, Nancy, I'm so sorry. I don't know if you can see it. Come down a little bit. That that, that picture I can <laughs> handle. Yes, yes. That one I can handle. It's the one close up that he got of me that makes me want to hurl. Oh no. <laughs> now now he's gonna look good. for it. It is good. It is a good reaction shot to I think I know you. what you're talking about too, because but you... it's so fugly to me. <laughs> you just and look disgusted. Hair. Yeah. And they've given me those bangs. I have to admit, because sometimes I lie and say that they gave me that haircut. If I'm really telling the truth, they gave me the bangs. They cut the bangs. For some inane reason, I'd flown home for like Easter. And I went and got that horrible shelf Bob haircut. It was a different time. What drug? at the back of it is hideous. It was the 90s. It's not your fault. It was the 90s. <laughs> and in some interviews, I lie and say that they did the whole, <laughs> that they did the whole haircut. We're going to cut this out. We'll, we'll let that no. rumor stay on. Well, it was not some Nancy people. Ann's choice. They did this to her. How could they? Wes Craven, you. No, don't smite the man. He's not with us anymore. And I love it. But I did think it was, I didn't expect them to cut the bangs. So that was, I mean, that was fun. But yeah, I literally, I've never had a, I don't know what drug I was on when I was like, yeah, I want you to give me this shelf cut (laughs) in the back. But I guess it did work. Yeah. So fans have always been like some of the mean fans. Oh, Um, no. Are there mean no, fans? No, no, we actually have, no, we have, mo, mo, I literally 
99.9%, they've all been amazing. But my friend, when I never interacted with fans in all of the 25 years, Um, not because I mean, occasionally, maybe once a year, someone would say, could I have your signature? And I would always be so shocked because I was like, what do the <laughs> Sign girl walk? in bathroom? <laughs> and, it, and it was during my it was during my bad marriage. So I would find the message and then I would want to send them something. But because the ex-husband, because the husband was so horrible, I just never I mean literally it was maybe five fans over a 25 year period but my good friend I was like why did he send this to me but I do think it's funny he sent I guess a fan right when Scream 4 came out a fan had gone through the film and critiqued it and when he got to the bathroom scene he said that Leonora he's like who cast who put these two 40 year olds in the movie <gasps> Oh, I thought it was hilarious. And then he said, we look like we're from the Gabrielle Carteris School of Acting. And Gabrielle Carteris is from Beverly Hills 90210. Andrea Zuckerman. (laughs) She was, she was, she was like almost 30, if not 30, when she was playing. And I thought, at first I was like, but but the fan is not wrong. The fan is not wrong. The, The person who wrote that, I was like, that's pretty pretty correct i mean i was not pleased oh my god <laughs> I, with everything they said i applaud your maturity at appreciating that i don't know that i agree with it but i like where your headspace was in that you could yeah. respect it yeah um, i i was I glad that they had that they had such a an opinion um made actually made me happy and because literally because i had just gotten my actually just gotten my husband to leave our apartment in the marriage. So I had much bigger things. So when I read that, the comment, I was just like, oh, that's child's play to what, <laughs> to what, my, what I was going through in my, in my little New York City apartment. But, ever, but since there have been a couple, one fan, he was like, you're not a scream queen. You're only on in that. And I don't call myself a scream queen, but uh, the fans do. And he's like, you're not a scream queen. You're only in the, in the film for a few seconds. You're a scream princess. And- <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> I said, that's fine. You're a scream princess. I'm a scream princess. <laughs> but it princess. does. <laughs> I like scream princess more. <laughs> scream princess. And then the but show called is- her a potty princess and she hung up. I, it was the weirdest thing. I mean, it was a bathroom. I mean, potty princess. <laughs> I like that. Don't, don't like it. Don't, don't embrace it. Oh, I love it. But the fan, literally, the fans have been amazing. They've been amazing and so fun. Um, and I, yeah, being 48 years old, I, Uh, like you know how Jimmy Kimmel has the big celebrities come on his show and they read the mean tweets about themselves and they have such a good sense of humor I just think that's so I'm glad I have a thick skin and I mean I'm such a tiny part of the movie but but that but that people do have (laughs) an opinion and they all have been really nice and and the ones that have a negative opinion they make me laugh too, because they say, I remember growing up in the theater, they, they say, if you, 
like, I don't like to read reviews of all the plays I was doing growing up. Um, what was the saying? If you, if you believe the good reviews, then you have to, so, so saying like, if you believe the good reviews, then you have to believe the bad reviews. Sure. So be, I, I know I'm, yeah. No, but yeah. I, I totally get that. And a lot of people um, will just not read any good or yeah. bad mm-hmm. to keep themselves grounded, but it yeah. absolutely makes sense to read both you get an average and you don't get too high on yourself. You don't get too low on yourself and, and you don't become a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> You're not a me monster. Exactly. Wait, what? A me monster? A me monster. Yes. Me, me, me. Oh, me. me. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I think with plays, especially because with reading a review, so I've never read reviews of the plays because you have to go do the show eight, eight, shows a week and if if I read a review and if it were bad then I would be so self-conscious I'd be I would run screaming from the theater and say find somebody else <laughs> so um so it's just easier yeah I just stay away from them but now with social media I think it's funny like I'm already halfway through my life like I used to be nervous like oh what if I how dare you <laughs> um 2022 like, Medical technology, you have no idea. Right. I'll, I, I'll yeah. say, don't, don't hide your face. I'm not hiding my face. The Nancy Ann but, Cyborg of 2095. I knew that was coming. That's what my head was doing. Him with his cyborg. Well, I've gotten good, in my plays, I've gotten good reviews, but I used to think, what if I ever get a bad review? Because people do. I, I literally thought, I'll just crawl into a hole and die. Like, I'd be so horrified. But now that I'm older, you know, you win some, you, you know, you throw it out there, see what sticks. And here's how we differ. You are a smart, mature, successful professional. I hear what you're saying. And for me, if I were a theater actor, I would tank a show just to get the bad review and be like, all right, I knew that was coming and then move on. <laughs> If I'm going to get a bad okay. review, it's going to be on my turn. Right? It's going to be. <laughs> okay. That's hilarious. <laughs> then you, then it's all controlled. You're it's controlling your face. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I never thought about that doing, approaching it from that angle. And then he just started yelling at the crowd. I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. <laughs> Look, you have to give them something to talk about. And just I mean, give them something. To, no, just me. Right. Let's give them something. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy <laughs> Ann. Let's give them something to talk about. Nancy it's Ann's what, got my what? back. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. The Peter and Nancy years. Ann show. <laughs> that was Peter another one. It's Peter and Michelle. Michelle, Michelle and Peter. Peter. That, yes. Um, uh, yes, Michelle and Peter. Uh, it is interesting living the 12 years in New York. It was always interesting to me to see film actors, you know, sometimes they'll do stunt casting in a Broadway show and they'll bring in a film actor. And it was always fun for me to see who could make that transition from film to stage and then who had a harder time like I just thought that was interesting and the and the reviewers would be so harsh if a film actor didn't make that transition well and I and I always thought well it's great that they're trying and and maybe it didn't work so well in this play but if they keep trying maybe I I love actors who can go 
from theater to film and really do both mediums. But there are, there's a, I won't, there's a film actress who I love that did a Broadway show and, and she just didn't register in the way she registers. And she's a big star. The way she just radiates on screen just didn't, she, she just looked lost up on the stage. And I thought that was interesting. I was like, wow, she just has the, the film set and that medium is just much more appropriate for this. I'd love to say the celebrity name, but I'll do that off. <laughs> I'll do that outside. <laughs> no, no worries. Film, uh, film to theater seems much harder as a fan. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like it's easier to go from theater to film than from film to theater. A lot of films. Do you think st- so? I, I do only because you'll see like um, Hugh Jackman's the first name that comes to ha- uh, first name that comes to my mind okay. because he does both, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but he does the one man show. He sings, he performs, he, he does his one man show and, and plays. And you'll see um, uh, theater actors go into film and they're relatively successful. Mm-hmm. But the other way around to, to, Na- to what Nancy Ann said doesn't seem to be the same same case i mean like i mean just sometimes between like film and tv just trying to watch actors and actresses like try to make the transition from there they're not always well received from film to tv or tv to film either way interesting either way i think it's harder for a lot of people in the industry to go from film to tv though really i I do because films the uh but like i feel like with a film it's like these are your lines this is your script you're gonna do it and you're gonna be done but with tv there's like so many different scenes and if they're like reoccurring it's like always a new script and if you've seen somebody that you love or don't love in a certain movie I feel like the reception is going to be weird on TV. It's like, I feel like people think, well, what are they doing on TV? I thought they were like, you know, movie stars. Ah, but there's breakouts. Some people can tra- uh, transition from the, their character, confined character. Mm-hmm. Think about um, Jennifer Aniston. I mean, she went from TV to film. So did obviously Courtney Cox. I mean, Friends did it right. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, fr- friends, Friends was a different animal. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it was an animal all of its own. For um, sure. Look at Steve Carell, though. Mm-hmm. Steve Carell, who did The Daily Show, who did The Office. Who... Do you like Steve Carell? I do. Yes. <laughs> Isn't he wonderful? <laughs> um, he... he became this huge actor, did the, did the comedy movies, but mm-hmm. then he was a, a legitimate drama actor. Uh, just became this complete breakout, not confined to that insane role of Michael Scott on The Office. <laughs> he was insane. I, I mean, how do you break, like... But I mean, I enjoyed him in films he was in, and it took me a while to, like, get invested in The Office. Like, that very first episode, it was like, I can't watch this. Like, I, why is this so cringy? Why Ironically, so The Office probably came first, too. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at that point, it's like, there wasn't, like, binge-watching anything. Everything was in right. real time. And I don't know about you, Nancy Ann, but for me, if I like have to tune into something weekly, I t- I forget that it's on. I can't. I cannot do weekly anymore. Like it's so bad. See, I'm because I'm living with the the parental units. We're still, <laughs> and we still um, we rent. don't even have streaming. We have <laughs> HBO and Showtime, 
Um, we don't have Netflix. Uh, I'm my, so sorry. <laughs> my friend, my friend set me up a little Netflix account through his like, so I can watch it on my iPhone, but it's mm-hmm. still, I really, I I've watched one thing, but, um, oh God, my memory today is terrible. Um, but yeah, so we still do the weekly show because like young Sheldon, young Sheldon, the, the little takeoff from Jim Parsons character. So that's our Thursday night at eight o'clock that's and then Grey's though. Anatomy at mm-hmm. nine o'clock. Oh so we God. still have that event TV, which I let, which I think is fun. Um, but it's also just because we're, <laughs> we're technically so technologically <laughs> so behind <laughs> here. I, that's kind of sweet though. That, that you it do that is. as a family. For me, I'm just selfish and I want closure. Like I want to know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and b- because I've got such a, um, a low attention span. He's like a squirrel. I, I've been called that before. <laughs> a squirrel. My, undi- my undiagnosed ADHD. Like For sure. <laughs> take advantage of my attention while you have it because I'm going to move on to something else. I'm going to forget about you. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a couple of things that we've started that we forgot because we just, didn't we jump to something else or we jumped something else because somebody was bored with it i well i don't what was the uh maybe maybe that was me what was the steve buscemi show i was gonna do it oh Oh, empire empire i i love steve buscemi but i never what i never saw it but it was dry but it was good but michelle needs more but you didn't do peaky blinders either which is amazing but it was too either i I know i know final season's coming out i mean but is this... James Corden in Peaky Blinders? Was that James Corden is not in no. Peaky Blinders? That's okay. um oh I can't think of his name. Dude that played um Scarecrow in the Dark Knight trilogy. Call it's... him no Silum Silum Murphy. Is that oh, Cillin Murphy, yes. Yeah, okay. we got there. We got there. Tag team. <laughs> I wanted to tell you something. Speaking about the TV, um when I was at Duke Ellington School of the Arts, they would, any big time celebrity that was in town would come to the school and, you know, a big time entertainer would come. So, at, and then not all, not always big time people, but the head of the theater department from Rutgers University came and did like a little, just spoke to us. And Henry Winkler was his theater student at Rutgers. And that Henry Winkler um, when he got the part of Fonzie, he called this teacher named Harold Scott and he said, should I take the role? And Harold Scott said, yes, but know when to leave the show. <laughs> and because I we don't jump the shark. Oh, no. <laughs> so, well, he meant act. He meant because if you stay with the show for so long, you're going to be totally identified as Fonzie, such that when you go into an audition room for something else, they'll just be like, hey, Fonzie's here. Like, because he was so good and so that role. Yeah. And I didn't know until the guy came to our high school the theater teacher guy that he had come from the theater, Henry Winkler had come from the theater and he loved his time in the theater and doing plays, but that, yeah. So that's what that theater teacher meant. Just know if you're going to do it, know when to maybe step away, like Steve Carell stepped away Mm -hmm. from the office after 
several years, but I mean, I still in the interview, some of these scream interviews, I still call him Fonzie. He um, is. Because he was there. He's Mr. Coach Klein. <laughs> the water boy. Oh my God. The water. Someone else was in another interview, they were talking about that, but I always have, because the reason I have a little thing to talk about him is they just on the bathroom scene day, they had just finished shooting his getting stabbed scene. So the first time I see him was in his principal shirt, button down principal shirt, and he's got blood everywhere and a shirt. And I, I was like, oh, that's Henry Winkler. And so I was like, how can I make him laugh? And I was like, nice shirt. And then I was just <laughs> like, I was like, oh, no. Did he laugh? Did he laugh, right? He laughed. <laughs> he laughed. Yes. What was he but it was so bad and then we had and then he did stay we had lunch together and he and I were getting lemonade at the same time and I was like oh my god I'm getting lemonade (laughs) like it was a pitcher of lemonade but um but I thought that was so interesting because he was so I did I mean he really was iconic in in that role such an iconic role that you know at the Smithsonian here uh of American history, they have Fonzie's jacket on display. I mean, yeah, he's so just vivid as that character. But now it feels like, I feel like now with all of the TV, all of the HBO, Showtime, like watching Kate Winslet in that amazing show called Mayor of East Town. If you haven't seen it, did you see it? I haven't yet. Uh, amazing. There's... Uh- to your point, there's so much content. Where do, Yeah. Oh, well, and so now hard. I love I love that the film actors now are going back, but back there forth. isn't so much a delineation that that if they're not finding a good film script and they're finding a great TV script and the content is so rich in a particular TV program and it's a great character, that there is that going back and forth that didn't seem to really exist. What a great point. No, you're 100% right. Especially a lot of the, um, I don't even want to call them independent, but like Amazon, Netflix, Mm -hmm. a lot of their shows, it's it's a blur between movie and TV. Mm -hmm. You have- It's a such and such original. 100%, but it's it's an hour long, no commercial, um, six, eight, 10 episode Mm -hmm. arc that really is almost a trilogy of movies on its own. Yeah, for Um, sure. it, It really has changed how we watch things. Well, and with all, sometimes when I read articles with some of the big celebrity women, like with now that there's so many comic book movies, some of the articles of these big actresses will say that the rich characters are coming from the TV world right now, that the, the content and just a character they can really dig deep within themselves to do. And it's like, there are still independent films, but those hot, those big comic book movies make so much money. And not that they're uh, they're amazing, but the character driven pieces on film don't seem. I guess they're still made, but it, it seems that's what it. My impression that why they flock to all the TV now is just because they're so like Renee Zellweger. I just saw. Uh, preview it looks hilarious it's called something about pam anyway she looks (laughs) hilarious i mean the makeup and she's like this little dope 
I, I've only seen the preview. Her name's Pam, and she's like this little dope dope character with a Midwestern accent. I mean, so because <laughs> we just had seen her as you know Judy Garland, and that she won mm. the Academy Award. Yeah, she's hilarious. Just in the preview alone, I always stop just to watch the preview because she looked. I mean, the way they've got her hair and her mate. I mean, she looks hilarious. That's very cool. I, I was always a big fan of Renee Zellweger's. Yeah. I mean, probably my first film of hers that I fell in love with was Empire Records. But she also... <laughs> Two thumbs up from Nancy Ann. <laughs> she also had like just this brief cameo. I think it was even uncredited in um, Reality Bites. Ethan Hawke's character was like, oh, yes, her way or number. And it's like, oh, man, like, what are you doing? You shouldn't even be there. But that's yeah. right. That's right. I, I think she's amazing. Just from she's one of my favorites. Oh, um, she's so sure. she seems just like lovely. Yeah. And she's got range like, oh, what was that movie? White Oleander? Oh, I Mich- didn't see. Yes, I didn't Pfeiffer. see it. That was, was it Robin White? Michelle Pfeiffer? Yes. No. Robin. It was Michelle Pfeiffer. Robin. Robin Wright. She may have been Penn at that point. I'm not sure. Um. Oh. Um. Ooh, what was that little boy's name that was in Almost Famous? Oh, I can see him. I can. I can too. Patrick Fugit. Yes, he was in it. Oh, he was. Um, like it just they were like little. There were segments of her of the young actress's life. And um, Renee Zellweger's character was married to Noah Wiley's character. And I mean, it really was just like fragments pieced together, but it was such a, it was such a good movie. Like Cole Hauser was in it too. Yeah. He played. Uh, oh, I like him. Melissa McCarthy was a paramedic. <gasps> she oh. was in it. I love, oh, I love me some Melissa McCarthy. According oh, to Google. So funny. I mean, when, have you seen Identity Thief? Yeah. Yes. With to punch him in the throat. <laughs> That makes me laugh every time. I taught my mom the song. My milkshake brings other boys to the bar. My milkshake (laughs) is better than yours. My milkshake is better than yours. Oh no, I love her. What what, was that? Was that Jason Bateman or no? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I told you to order less food. And uh, uh, Aaron from the office. (laughs) Yes. I can't remember her name. She's a beautiful woman. (laughs) She spits in the soup. And she's got the thumb. And then she likes it. Enjoy your soup. She's she's beautiful. (laughs) She makes me happy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just to see her in anything like or on cable, if she comes on, I'm just like, oh, I'm watching it. When she did the uh, the fake um, space for no, 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 no. The Billy Billy Eilish video. Oh, yeah. For the bad guy. Yeah. When she's in the (laughs) go-kart. Have you ever Wait, seen that? What? Oh my God. She was on send either. The, I'll send you the link. I'm I think she was on it. Ellen and she was talking about Billie Eilish and what a fan she was. They did a fake of her in a Billie Eilish video. Yeah. And I think <gasps> Billie Eilish came out to surprise her, but it's so funny because she's <laughs> obviously they green screened the video behind her, but she's pretending to be in it. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. Michelle <sighs> will send it to you. It's yeah. great. Yeah, you have, I mean, she just takes my breath away. Seriously. Did you watch her on Gilmore Girls? Were you a Gilmore's Girls fan? I, I, at the time it was out, I didn't watch it, not because I wasn't interested. So I caught when I moved to the parentals, 
home <laughs> after <laughs> after yeah. my bad year. I literally was living like a dead per- like I do want to say PSA don't stay with a physically abusive husband like I did for six years because then even though I got him to leave, I literally just became paralyzed. Oh, I laugh about it. I think it's hilarious. I mean, not, I don't laugh at abuse, but just for me, it helps to find the humor. Nancy Ann, Nancy Ann, can you, if you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about um, that situation and what happened? Because I, I don't know about it and I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, we met, uh, I I always have to make sure I don't say his name, but we met on, uh, a little, a little film called Charlie's Party that I will, that starred Kim. So I was played one of the main characters, Kim director from Blair Witch, the sequel. If you Google, if you looked her up, you'd recognize her. Anyways, I had to kiss her in the film and I was topless, but it was a good little cast. I mean, Rick Ocasek's son from the cars. I mean, Rick Ocasek of the cars, his son, Aaron was in it. Uh, lead girl from that tv show sliders i loved sliders sabrina Sabrina lloyd oh was that the oh there was there were two girls the one was short dark hair girl okay and then there was the other one that came in like season two or three i loved her both actors are great but i i had a crush on the other one i don't remember i didn't look it up so it it was good no no it was a good little cast and unfortunately (laughs) My, unfortunately, my ex-husband had, he's, is a very talented piano player and he played the score for the film mm-hmm. and the filmmakers were all young filmmakers from London. What was her name? Okay. Was sorry. It, uh, Sabrina Lloyd was the one you're talking about. I had a crush yeah. on Carrie Wur. Wur. Woo her. I think it's just Wur. I think it's just pronounced. The Wur. H is throwing me off. I think she, wasn't she on MTV? Wasn't she on like an MTV, like remote control or some weird show too? Like as a host or. Eight-legged freaks. She was in Thinner. Oh, she was in Thinner. She was. Anaconda, Sliders, Mm -hmm. Vivid, Hellraiser, Debtor. That's a terrible sequel name. (laughs) (laughs) What did you say after the Hellraiser? Uh, It was a Hellraiser colon Debtor. Debtor. Uh, it looks like just a bunch of horror movies, but oh, she was in Sharknado too. I don't remember Sharknado too. I remember them all. I know you do. <laughs> oh my gosh, I remember every one of them. <laughs> Side note: part of um, Shark Week because we were talking about oh, yeah. beforehand. Um, Sharknado viewings were part of the family get-togethers, <laughs> and uh, Shark- it might have even been in getting ready for Shark Week. It could so, have been. So when your mom hears this, she'll be like, oh my God, it was. <laughs> and actually I saw, oh my gosh, I think it was the, I don't remember if it was the second or the third one. I went to a riff tracks of it at the theater right before Shark Week once. And that was of so- Of Sharknado? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. They actually riffed one of those. I was like, oh my God, I this mean, is so not- silly. Talk about shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah. No, no. Not no, even no. trying. <laughs> Nancy, do you I'm all sorry. do your oh no do you all do your shark week celebration each year pre-covid, Pre-COVID. Uh, at, I mean, COVID pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah it was it was it was an annual thing like birthdays uh because a bunch of us have summer birthdays so mm-hmm. we would do like one summer birthday um bash yeah. and then we would do the shark week thing yeah because christmas and thanksgiving my birthday is june 14th my sister's is june 29th my mom's is june 30th Peter's is July 2nd. 
And then <laughs> my brother's wife's birthday is the 11th. So, I mean, it's like, it was all just like, right. And 4th of July, right in there too. So four birthdays on 4th of July. Yeah. And like, 13 days <laughs> so it just weeks. it made sense to just kind of get us all gathered for one because everybody's five like, birds with one stone <laughs> seriously five so. sharks with one stone yes oh and a girl yes with one <laughs> torpedo <laughs> as you were saying i'm so sorry so, okay so he so my ex-husband very talented piano player he first started playing the organ when he was six years old in australia <laughs> He played organ competitions, which cracked me up, like Star Search with kids playing the organ. Anyways, that's a side note. But <laughs> um, so after he played the score for the film, the filmmakers out of London asked my ex-husband, would you like to fly? For, we'll fly you from Australia. Would you like to be the boom operator? So my ex was like, sure. And then they put him up. They all lived in this amazing flat in New York City and so well one thing my character drink in that movie she drinks to where okay I'll say this fast she drinks to where she my character drinks to where she passes out and then has a little threesome with Rick Ocasek's son a a g-rated threesome I'm topless with Rick Ocasek's son Kim director from the Blair Witch the sequel to Blair Witch and we have a kissing scene So I made the rookie mistake of actually drinking in real life. So by the time we were shooting the scene, I was blacked out. And character director, if if your listeners look like she's been in the inside man, they'll recognize her. She does the best imitation. So I was blacked out. And the executive producer's older. He was like, you guys, she's lit. And they're like, no, no, she's saying all the lines in, on cue. Nancy, she's just in character. Nancy Ann is method. <laughs> I'm totally method. <laughs> but apparently, I, I, I'll get to the ex thing. But well, well, because this figures into how I even started with the ex. I was delivering all my lines to the floor. I didn't know that. And mm-hmm. so the... <laughs> Because I was gone. The director of photography was like, finally, he was like, just look at the ceiling. Because it'd be like, if I wake up from the blackout, I'd be like, oh, Michelle, Peter. But I was still delivering. I thought I was looking at Rico Kasich's son and Kim director. But nope, I was delivering everything to the floor. And then I fell off the couch. Put the camera down. (laughs) Help (laughs) a girl out. Come on. Help a girl then I fell off the couch. Apparently I was saying, oh no, I'm not allowed. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I was saying really off color things. Cause I was just blitzed, but I remember while they were setting up lighting, I saw my ex looking forlorn, but he wasn't my ex at the time. Like sure. I saw, I saw Jerry. That's not his name. I, I saw so-and-so. <laughs> and I went up and I wasted. And I was like, why do you look so sad? And he was like, oh, I'm I'm sad that the Connecticut portion of the shooting is ending and then we're going back to New York. And he's and because he said, I don't want to stay back with stay in the same apartment with the filmmakers. And I and I was like, you can stay with me and I'll give you keys and you can come and go and you please. What could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? So that's what started it. Oh, I was no. not in my right mind. They, anyways, I ended up barfing 
and was gone. They had to rush me to the emergency room. My blood alcohol was 0.24. Oh my God. And I had Gosh. Hooked up, but I remembered that the next morning, so they had to reschedule the filming the scene for the next night. I remember the next morning, vaguely remember, oh, like, ooh, no, I don't want him to stay in my apartment and come and go as he pleases. Like, oh. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? That's not happening. And then when we got back to Connecticut, I mean, no, when we got back to New York and we were filming one of my scenes, he came, I was doing, putting on my makeup and he was like, do you want to go for, I mean, he has an Australian accent. I don't know why I'm doing a Southern accent, but he was like, do you want to go get a cup of coffee? And that literally my my inside voice was saying, no, 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 no. And I was like, okay. And then from the moment we had that coffee, he started staying with me in my, I was in a little furnished sublet with a twin bed. And he just, I just had him move on in. And, and I know, I, I, well, the one thing I console myself with, he wasn't physically abusive while we were dating, but he had a, he, he had a temper and I did, my dad was like, oh, you got to get rid of this boy. And he was four years younger than I was. He wasn't a boy. He wasn't a boy because I don't want people to think I'm. (laughs) (laughs) No, but to your dad, to your dad, you're a bunch of kids. Yeah. Nancy, I'm just going to interject really quick. Did you have, besides your dad, did you have any kind of support system friends or colleagues that were like telling you nancy ann like red flag this guy sucks get out um, of here I, I was give i was seeing the red flags and so twice two times i had him leave but the only place he had to go that he could go to was a hostel so then i would put him in the hostel and then i would feel badly Oh. And I'd go back and get him out of the hostel and I'd lure him with back to my apartment with a bag of Doritos. Like he was. <laughs> <laughs> they... he never... In Australia, they don't have Doritos. Were they regular or cool ranch? I fucking love oh, cool ranch. Right, they were, we're cool ranch. That. That was we're going to bleep favorite. that. Because I was going to ask if they were nacho cheese or cool ranch. No, cool ranch. All so, jokes aside, I, mean... I love her so much. I, we were so on the same page with that. God, I'm so, so sorry. I would go and get him out of the hostel. And then he had, to, because of his visa, he had to go back to Australia. And at that point, I had moved out of the sublet into a great one-bedroom apartment that was rent-stabilized. And he, he helped me move in there. And when he got back to Australia, the red flags were hitting again. And I, I, I sent him a breakup email, very concise email. My parents sent me up a bouquet of flowers and it it was like a victory. And then I remember coming home that next day and I still had an answering machine and I could hear his voice on the answering machine crying. And I stupidly picked up the phone and then he threatened, he said, just give me a chance he said, if you don't let me come back over from Australia, I'm going to throw my, I'm going to throw myself off the bell tower of this church where he plugged the organ and commit suicide. I now so I know that that's a tactic of an abuser. 100%. I didn't, I didn't know that my psychiatrist, well, after the fact, she was like, well, you should have let him. And I was like, I know that now. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. And I remember in that conversation, not being com- 
held by it. Like I was like, go ahead. In my head, I was saying, go ahead. But I felt there was a part of me that one little percent part of me that felt sorry for him or how bad could it really be? Um, and a month after we were married, he that's when he blasted we our landline phone, which back in 2003, landline phones were, or 2004, were pretty heavy. And he Stop making it to that. That's not that long ago. So don't make it sound like it was but, back in the but day. But the landline phones were heavy oh. then. Over. I've got to go deal with my own issues. He blasted oh. me over the head with the landline phone. Oh my God. And the police, we lived near a speakeasy and these guys from the speakeasy, they were like, we know he's hitting you. And I covered for him and I was sobbing. Then they were like, well, the police are right behind us. And that would have been the perfect opportunity to turn him in. But the markings from being hit in the head, like by the hairline, didn't show until the next day. And I, so I covered for him and I said, no, I said to Lisa, no, I'm having, I suffer from depression. I'm really struggling right now. And so I covered for the asshole. And if obviously if I could do it again, I would have, the sixth precinct was right around the corner from where I lived, but I just, I never had, I never had been hit before. I didn't grow up with abuse and like I knew about I knew about Nicole Brown Simpson. I knew what happened. I mean, if you believe that, I mean, I, I know some people I don't believe, but yeah, yeah. I knew like a Tina Turner, I'd seen the movie, what's love got to do with it. And I thought, Oh, I'll never allow myself to be in that position. And here I was in that position. And, but he's, I swear these abusers, they must all over the world all go to the same abuser school because it's all the same playbook now, you know, now that I know that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but he, he had managed psychologically to make me codependent, not, not financially codependent, but I, but emotionally, I guess, codependent. And he was just very masterful with that. So on a separate note, the only thing I, that helps me now with the therapy is, is that I did try to get rid of him. And he was just like a dog that, that I couldn't shake off my ankle. Mm-hmm. So I, I did really try. Um, but unfortunately, once that abuse started, I stayed another six years. And I, like my dad came up on the, the Peter Pan bus because I, I had two friends who said, if you don't call your dad to tell him what your ex, what your husband is doing, we're going to call your dad. And so my dad, he was a captain in the Navy. He was still working at this point as a consultant to the Navy. He jumped on the Peter Pan bus and he was like, no, my nickname is NAR for Nancy and Ritter. He was like, NAR, he's got to go. And I was like, I know. And my dad was like, what? He asked my husband, why, why did you hit her? And my husband at the time goes, well, if you get in a dog's face, a dog's going to bite. Like no remorse. <laughs> No, no. I look back at it now. Not that remorse would have, not that him showing remorse would have made it okay. No. Um, but he's just such a sociopath. And my poor dad, I I did have him packed like three or four times. I had his bags packed. And then I would, my ex knew how to make himself look like a lost little lamb. So my dad tried for like, 
Friday night, Saturday and Sunday. And then he had to go back to work. And I took him back to the Peter Pan bus. My dad was just white and he was, cause I did try. Um, but I think him being from Australia, having no family here, like he just knew how to play that sympathy card. And so there, I had many opportunities to get rid of him and it took me six years. And then I finally did get rid of him at his favorite thing. Well, he loved bash. He loved head bashes. And then his second favorite was pulling me by the hair, <laughs> throwing me around by my hair. Thank so you. luckily after he was like, don't you turn that fan off? And I went and turned the fan off because we were in bed and he pulled me back from where I was at the fan by my hair and went back to the bed. And I was like, you've, you've got to go. And thankfully he did the very next morning, he went and got packing boxes. So I am lucky because I know sometimes the, the, the abuser won't leave. Yeah. Um, so he did, he did go. Um, but initially when he, when he first was packing the boxes, cause I was so codependent, I started taking the things out of the boxes oh. and so I was just a mess. It, it took me a year. So thankfully he left, but it took me a year for the light bulb to really go off that he was, cause I pined for him for a year and he would come by for wham, bam, thank you, ma'ams, like five wham, bam, thank you, ma'ams. And then he, and he would, he would not, he knew the code to our building. And it, if my mom was up visiting for the weekend, I, I learned not to buzz him in. And then he would stand in this, like a creeper in the street, looking up at the windows. Oh. Um, but it took me a year to finally screen, not answer the phone calls. Mm -hmm. And when the light bulb fully went off, it was like the curtain went down and I was done. And then that really made him crazy because I just, Cut him off. Stopped answering the text. I was gone and then sought out the divorce lawyer. And um, he, in a way, it was because the divorce, Matthew, oh, Jerry no, didn't have a divorce, didn't have a lawyer. So my lawyer was kind of trying to act like trying to be the mediator. mediator. And I was yeah. like, no, you're my lawyer. And my ex owed me like $4,000. And I was like, I will not accept a penny less. And I, I'm sure $4,000 to some people feels like chump change. But to me, it's, it's a lot of money. Um, but it, the lawyer really wasn't representing me. But then my ex left a really drunk message. And he, on my voicemail, he goes, you know, your lawyer is a lazy cunt. And, oh, wait, I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> it's okay. Punt. You are fine, but, Nancy. But, um, but with his accent. You said with an accent, so it's not as offensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was trying to do his Australian, but it didn't work. Um, but once I played that for the lawyer, then my finally my lawyer started. He was like, oh, okay, this guy's bad. I was like, well, I'd been telling you that for the last year. Mm -hmm. But he sent like a cease and desist letter and said, if you don't stop contacting Nancy Ann, we'll have to get the police involved. So thankfully, by 2013, uh, the phone calls stopped. I never answered him, but he would he would call and say, oh, you miserable bitch. Why don't you answer the phone? And just awful. And he really wasn't a drink. I mean, he drank, but not. I'd love to say that he had an alcohol problem and that's why he was hitting me. No, he was 
pretty much sober when all of that was happening. But in these phone calls, I, I guess he had been drinking, but, um, but thankfully he's not, not, he's followed that cease and desist letter. I always think when I move back to New, he's in London, but I always think he'll find me, he'll come back to New York and find me on the subway platform and kill (laughs) And kill me. Oh my but, gosh. Um, no, I think it's funny. If he starts to hear these interviews, I'm like, oh no, because he is psycho. But if my story, I, I like sharing it because if my story can help, when I first shared about it on Facebook, a lot of Duke Ellington's school friends of mine said me getting out of my marriage really inspired them to get out of an abusive marriage they were in or an abusive relationship. So I really try to talk about it as much as I can, because it, one thing I never really shared is I felt after I got rid of him, I feel I needed to have been celebrating. And I was, I just became like a zombie, just basically a dead. I felt like a dead person walking because I was so depressed and I didn't know how to pick up the pieces and move, get back to my acting career. So I gave up this amazing apartment in New York. I stopped, my agent had retired. I didn't get, I had, I still had my on-camera commercial agent. The cheerleader from Scream got me <laughs> my commercial agent for voiceovers and on-camera commercials in New York, but I just was a shell. And so my little PSA to people is it's, not even for me, at least the marriage was horrible, but the aftermath of trying to restart my life and career, cause he just sucked, he just sucked me dry. And, and he was, he was such a depressed person. He would always say, I hope I'm dead by 50. Well, when you live with someone who see, paints everything black, then I started to see the world as a very, dark place. So it, it's taken a long time to kind of lift the veil and see that, that I can have, you know, that I can turn the page and start again. But I, I lost several years um, po- during the marriage, of course. And then post the marriage, I just came down here and just, just would like sit on the couch and watch you know, just froze just because I was still paralyzed and frozen from because it was always like walking on eggshells with him the six years. So I think I was just great. I was grateful to not have him in my presence anymore, but I just I didn't know how to put one foot in front of the other. And I know people say when you're going through hell, just keep going. Mm-hmm. I because eventually you'll get out of hell. And I, I, I'm glad I know that now, but I just thought, oh, I'm just, I'll stay in hell and it'll never, I'll just live with my parents forever and I'll just be taken care of by them. And so that's why my IMDb credits end at like 2000, my very sparse <laughs> IMDb credits end, at, end with Charlie's party in 2005, because he and I were married 2004 I got rid of him 2009, took me another year to not let him back into my life. And then the divorce, he said he would take care of the divorce. He didn't. So then that dragged on till 2013. I moved down here and then 
it's now 2022 and I didn't seek out therapy till 2018. And I just, I just thought, oh, I'll just live here and forever. And so what, what really has helped is all the renewed interest in Scream and the, and the interest in the bathroom girl (laughs) has given me a new, really given me a new lease on life. And, um, because self-care was really, I mean, I hope this helps to any listener listening, but like self-care had got like just showering all the basic ways to care for yourself just had fallen away. So now with doing, I mean, we're on an audio interview, but when I started doing the video interviews, my friend from New Orleans, Orleans was like, you better get your hair did. You better get on that stationary bike. Get your colorist. And, <laughs> yeah. And which I have at my dad calls my color. That's why I have my hair oddly gelled. I haven't had my hair colored in two years because, well, I go to, my dad calls the colorist, the colorizer, but. Um, colorizer, that's my Colorizer. I that's look so like cute. a homely librarian if my hair was down because I have the great. If you guys hair. are just going to talk about hair from this point out. <laughs> no. I'm just going to, I'll excuse myself now. Oh my God. But no, just just the just the all the screen attention has been and the interviews like I showering every day and you know put on my makeup and just the little things like that have been really really helpful and then when I start doing the conventions my first convention so far confirmed is the end of April called Forced for the number four state con in Maryland. And then Tidewater Horror Horror Convention in Virginia in September. Then uh, Pop and Horror Convention. Wait, what's making you laugh? (laughs) Is it because I'm writing these down? No, 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 no. It's it's me, and I'm going to cut this because it's terrible. No, I I honestly I don't I don't think right, (laughs) and all I. When you something about you saying uh, these conventions coming up, I just I want you to do an independent movie so badly about the bathroom girl and how much you hate the cheerleader and how you're tired of being in her shadow. (laughs) (laughs) Your motivation is like, I hope the killer kills her. I'll be the number one star. the number one star and all have all the lines in the bathroom exactly. all, all have the mini monologue <laughs> oh that's hilarious oh man i'll be the star like that's <laughs> like i don't know if it's it's the background of you saying that like you had the motivation for the cheerleader but you had a backstory for the bathroom girl <laughs> and so like i just want you to walk into these conferences like let me tell you the story of the girl in the bathroom all right she was tired of playing second fiddle to this second blonde bimbo to oh. the beautiful blonde if sydney if sydney didn't take out the killer that girl was next and <laughs> i would have been first in line oh my gosh you're a mess. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm untethered. It's you how I'm dealing it. with, I'm untethered. Yes, you are. <laughs> no, so, that's. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's hilarious because there have, people have been 
wanting to do little fan films with yes. the cheerleader and the girl in the bathroom. But a friend, another business friend said, don't do the fan films because he said, if they ever want to bring you back for Scream 6 or 7 or Scream 10 <laughs> as the girl in bathroom, he, he, the friend said you would uh, 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 dilute, not dilute, it, then it won't be as exciting for the audience if they were to bring you back as the bathroom girls, if you've been doing fan films. Um, so I thought that was, <laughs> I liked that advice. I mean, maybe that's so dumb. No, it's not, it's not that dumb. Advice. I just, I feel like, all right, A, I, I feel like, um, <laughs> I, I feel like the, the amount of people that are going to watch the Scream movies far exceeds the amount of people that will see fan films. I don't know so about I don't, that. Fan films are hundred percent, but I don't know. Well, I, if right. you're a fan, if you were a fan of a franchise, anything connected to that franchise, the fans are going for without a doubt between all of the fan pages. I mean, I'm not disregarding fan films by any means, but I'm saying percentage wise, mm -hmm. I don't know how mainstream the fan films are. If anything, depending on the fan film, it could add to the movie, uh, especially if, if, if it's a good enough fan film, it might even tie in a little bit. I mean, Nancy, and we're not going to say this on the air because a, you haven't seen the fifth one yet, as far as I know, but I have a theory of how to bring you back. <laughs>